everybody and welcome to this episode of Cold Talk. I am your host Cole Martins and thank you guys for joining me here today. For the latest information on the show you can follow me on Twitter at Cold Talk. That is at C-O-L-E-D-T-A-L-K. You can also like me on Facebook also at Cold Talk. You can also message me questions or topics about the show. You can tweet with me during the events. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Also don't forget to hit the subscribe and or follow button to get alerts when the newest episodes are released. I'd also thank my, like to thank my brother Landon Martins for the amazing artwork on the page. To see some more of his work, you can visit his Instagram at Mr. Fancy Land. That is at M-R-F-A-N-C-Y-L-A-N. Coming up on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the last week's key games in the NFL and college football. We talk about race two in the NASCAR Cup Series round of eight, which went through Talladega Super Speedway. The MLB playoffs are set to begin this week. And an NBA team loses to a foreign team. As we start getting into the... Before we get into this week, actually, I want to kind of send uh, my hopes out to all those people who went through the hurricane this week, Hurricane Ian. Uh, and, of course, hitting Tampa Bay earlier this week, uh, leaving a lot of damage and also going through other parts of the south. So, hope everybody is safe down there and hope everything is going well for you guys. Uh, we'll start off here going in with week four in the NFL as we start off with Thursday Night Football, which was a very talked about game as for other reasons besides the game. But the Cincinnati Bengals did end up picking the win in this one, beating the Miami Dolphins 27-15 to in this one for the Bengals. Quarterback Joe Burrow throwing for 287 yards and two touchdowns. Wide receiver T. Higgins with a huge game with seven receptions, 124 yards and a touchdown. Wide receiver Jamar Chase was shut down for a majority of this game, did have one big catch, but ended the game with four receptions for 81 yards. Running back Joe Mixon rushing for 61 yards and a touchdown. And tight end Hayden Hurst with a touchdown in this one as well. And for Miami Dolphins, they suffered their first loss of the season, going to 3-1. And, and quarterback Tua Tungvaloa had 110 yards and one interception this game, and he was knocked out of the game in the second quarter with a concussion, which is something we'll talk about more here in a little bit. Uh, of course, he did also thought he had a concussion on Sunday, so uh, possibly two concussions for him in over and just under a week, I should say. Uh, filling in for him in this game was quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, who threw for 193 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Wide receiver Tyreek Hill also having a huge game in this one of 10 receptions for 160 yards. Running back Raheem Mostert, Mostert, I should say, had 69 yards rushing. Wide receiver Trent Sheffield had four receptions for 55 yards. Running back Chase Edmonds with one receiving touchdown this game. And wide receiver Jalen Waddle, uh, two receptions only for only 39 yards in this game. He had both those catches in the when Tua was in there once uh, Bridgewater came in. He got no receptions in this one. So that will be interesting to keep an eye on for fantasy play, uh, players. We'll see what Waddle will be able to do now. With the expected speed, Bridgewater being the quarterback here for a little bit with uh, Tua. But speaking of Tua, uh, again, suffering his second concussion in just under a week. So about five days from from Sunday to Thursday. Uh, Of course, a lot of talk in the NFL about what happened even on Sunday. If he should have been even cleared to play in that game. Then taking a big hit again on Thursday where if you didn't see the images, you're probably lucky. Because I feel like Amazon showed this. Showed him on the ground quite a bit injured. It was very devastating to see, to be honest with you. Um, just the way his fingers were all clinched up and the way he was just frozen in position almost. It was a very scary moment. Uh, he was They had took about 10 minutes on the field to get him off before he got uh, taken off the field on a cart. Uh, he was taken to a local hospital, but he was removed that night, thankfully. 
Uh, he sounds like he's in good spirits right now, but uh, the NFL Players Association and the NFL are soon expected to agree on a new protocol, which anytime any player demonstrates any instability, he is not going to be allowed to return to the game. This rule should be taking effect this week in week five. Uh, this is according to ESPN, and this is the right decision, to be honest with you. This should not... Concussions are a very serious thing. Uh, I think everybody understands that. It's just, I feel like the competitive spirit of the game kind of makes you somewhat ignore it. Um, and as a player myself who's dealt with concussions, I get that when you get into a game, you're in a game, you get knocked out of the game, uh, you kind of still want to get play, go out there and still play. You don't want to let your team down. You want to go back out there. But it is the doctor's responsibility to tell you, hey, you can't do this anymore. You need to stop. We don't want you getting hurt anymore. Especially having two concussions in a week, that can pretty much almost kill you. Uh, so thankfully, Tua was not too seriously injured. Uh, but again, I would not expect to see Tua in for a little bit, which we'll talk about that here a little bit more later on in the NFL talk here. But the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant for Sunday's game was also fired after it was found he made several mistakes in the evaluation. This is also according to ESPN. So it does sound like that Tua did have a concussion on Sunday. Uh, the evaluation was not taken correctly, which caused Tua to come back in the game on Sunday and also possibly take the bigger hit in the head on Thursday, which caused what happened. So again, uh, glad to hear Tua is okay. Uh, glad the NFL and the NFL Players Association is stepping up to protect their players now. As we, I think we did see this on a Sunday Night Football actually with uh, Bray, Cameron Bray was took a big hit to the head. He came in for a little bit, but he was taken out of the game and removed from the game because they saw that he taken a big hit. And I, they, I obviously didn't think he should have been out there. So good for the NFL. Uh, we should see this become a more serious thing now, th uh, starting next week. So again. Uh, Happy to hear Tua is okay. Happy to hear the NFL is taking a step forward to protect their players. Uh, but again, this team, it sounds like Tua will be out here for a little bit. Uh, and this will be Bridgewater's team to run now. Uh, luckily, to, uh, Bridgewater does have some good weapons here in Miami, and he has a good team around him. So we'll see what Tua will be able to do. Uh, excuse me, Bridgewater will be able to do with this team uh, moving forward here for the next couple weeks. On to our next game, which was the Sunday Night Football game, where the Kansas City Chiefs were able to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 41-31. Kansas City Chiefs moved to 3-1 on the season. Quarterback Patrick Mahomes having a good bounce back game after the Chiefs lost last week, surprisingly, to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Mahomes for 249 yards passing this game, three touchdowns and an interception. Tight end Travis Kelsey with nine receptions for 92 yards and a touchdown. He had a huge fourth quarter, first quarter with about five receptions just to begin the game. Uh, running back Clyde edwards Lair with 92 yards rushing, a touchdown, and also had a receiving touchdown. But could have had a third receiving touchdown if he wanted to drop a wide open pass. Uh, I believe that was in the third or fourth quarter sometime in the second half. Uh, wide receiver Marquez Vandell-Scatling had three receptions for 63 yards in the game. Running back Isaiah Pacheco with 63 yards rushing in the game. And tight end Jody Fortson with a touchdown as well. As for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they now fall to 2-2 two two on the season after back-to-back -back losses now. Quarterback Todd Brady having a big game. 385 yards passing and three touchdowns after falling behind early in this one. He pretty much had to throw the ball as much as he could. Uh, I think they only had a total of three rushing yards in this game. Uh, wide receiver Mike Evans with eight receptions for 103 yards and two touchdowns. Wide receiver Chris Godwin, seven receptions for 59 yards. Running back Leonard Fournette with seven receptions for 59 yards as well. And also a touchdown add-on. Running back Rashad White with a rushing touchdown in this game. And five receptions for 50 yards. 
Uh, again, the Stan Bay defense just, the defense has looked probably one of the best defenses in the NFL so far this year. Just got demolished by the Chiefs. Uh, it was very surprising. I was actually expecting somewhat another low-scoring game between these two. But the Chiefs offense came to play in this game. They tore apart the Stan Bay team, even though the Stan Bay team did have a very bad start to this game as they fumbled the opening kickoff, which gave the Chiefs good field position to start the game and get an early lead in this one. Uh, but the Chiefs, uh, once again, look great. Tampa Bay still look like they got to figure some things out here as, again, this team hasn't been full all season now that I think this is the first time Tom Brady's had a full offense since, I would say, the first half of the first game of the year. So, again, I feel like this is a Tom Brady team that they usually do. They usually start off slow and then they pick up as the season goes on and they're ready to go by the time the playoffs happen. Uh, so we'll see what the Stan Bay team will do as the year, year goes on. But Kansas City Chiefs, after having a setback week last week, bounce back again this week and will take the win and now look like the Chiefs team that we all expect to see this year. Then uh, we also had a huge game between two of the top teams in the AFC as the Buffalo Bills were able to come back and beat the Baltimore Ravens 23-20. The Bills go to 3-1 in the season and a team that was down 20-3 at the end of the first half, I believe it was. Uh, but a team that was down by quite a bit shut the Bill Ravens down in the second half as a great job by this Bills defense who has been hurt all season long. Uh, at least the last two weeks they've been really hurt. Uh, but quarterback Josh Allen in this one for two, threw for 213 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Also had 70 rushing yards and a touchdown in this one as well. Wide receiver Stephon Diggs led receiving with four receptions for 62 yards. Running back Devin Singletary with 49 yards rushing. Wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie with one touchdown this game. He actually left the game injured. I'm not sure if he came back in this one, but that would be something to keep an eye on if you're a fantasy owner, if he is going to be playing this week and how his injury it was. Uh, we'll also give some credit to safety Jordan Poyer, who had two interceptions this game, picking off Lamar Jackson. And kicker Tyler Bass went three for three on field goals, including the game winner as time expired. For the Baltimore Ravens, they now move to 2-2 two two on the season. Quarterback Lamar Jackson only throwing for 144 yards in this game. Did throw one touchdown and also had two interceptions. Also ran for 73 yards rushing. Wide receiver Devin Duvernay with, led the receiving with four receptions for 51 yards. Running back Justin Hill led receive, uh, the rushing with 45 yards. And running back J.K. Dobbins had two touchdowns this game. One rushing and one reception in his first game of the season after suffering a season-ending injury last year. So glad to see J.K. Dobbins back with the Baltimore Ravens offense, and we'll see how much he continues to grow as uh, a playmaker for this team as the season go on. But a great first game, getting two touchdowns uh, to start his season. Uh, but again, this one, possibly AFC Championship game uh, matchup, as these two teams look, almost look incredible on offense all year. Uh, this one came more of a defensive struggle, uh, an offensive struggle, I should say, for both these teams throughout this one. So good to see the defense stepping up in this. Uh, Josh Allen did not look good to begin the game. But he stepped it up here in the second half. Lamar Jackson looked incredible to start the game. But again, the second half, he slowed down in this one. But overall, a great game by both these teams. And excited to see what's going to happen here as the year goes along. I would not be surprised if the Bills, uh, who are my Super Bowl pick, to be the number one seed. Baltimore, I wouldn't be surprised to see them be the number two seed. Uh, of course, the Baltimore defense stepped up this week after struggling the first three weeks of the season. Uh, did a lot better this week, only allowing 23 points. I think they're averaging for giving up about 30 at one point. It seemed like a game. Uh, but overall, great game by these two again. Uh, excited to see what's going to happen for these two teams. But the Buffalo Bills come up on top in this one and move to 3-1 and one on the season.
And we'll wrap up the, the week of this talk about games in the NFL with the Monday Night Football game where the San Francisco 49ers were able to beat the NFC West rival Los Angeles Rams 24-9. The San Francisco 49ers now go 2-2 two two on the season. Wide receiver Debo, Debo Samuel with a big game in this one. Six receptions, 115 yards, and one touchdown. Quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo had 239 yards passing this one and a touchdown. And running back Jeff Wilson Jr., 74 yards rushing and a touchdown. And also having a big play in this in his safety. Sorry if I messed this name up. To uh, uh, Tal, uh, nu, uh, Noo, uh, I know I'm messing this up already. Tyler Nua uh, Hufaga, I believe it is pronounced. A 52-yard interception for a touchdown in this one. Uh, had a key play as he was able to give the Niners a two-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, so a big play by him. And for the Rams, they also now moved to 2-2 two two on the year. As wide receiver Cooper Cup led the way of receiving with 14 receptions for 122 yards. Seems like the one main player Stafford goes to no matter what. Speaking of Stafford in this game, he had 254 yards passing, one interception, one fumble loss, and stacked seven times in this game. So great job by the San Francisco defense getting after him in this one. Also, tight end Tyler Higby with 10 receptions for 73 yards. And kicker Matt Gay with all the points in this one as he went 3-for-3 three three on field goals. And again, San Francisco 49ers uh, beat the Rams in the regular season. I believe if I remember what ESPN said correctly, this is seven straight wins for the Rams, uh, excuse me, Niners against the Rams in the regular season. Of course, this is also revenge for the 49ers uh, for the NFC Championship game, which they lost last year uh, in devastating fashion. Uh, but again, great job by the Niners to pick up another big win, get some uh, more confidence built up to this team. That defense looks absolutely incredible for the Niners. Uh, excited to see what this team can do throughout the year and possibly maybe compete with the Rams for the NFC West Championship, Division Championship. And for the Rams, again, Stafford just seemed like he's struggling a little bit so far to begin the year. Not looking like the Stafford we seen last year. Uh, I guess turnover-wise, he's looking like the Stafford we seen last year because he ate Led the league interceptions last year. Uh, continued struggling holding onto the ball for his offense. And especially in the red zone as they had three, all three field goals, I believe, came while they were in the red zone. So, uh, shockingly, they just weren't able to capitalize. Especially with Cooper Cup, who seems like he can always get open in the red zone. Uh, but again, great. Give all the credit to the world of San Francisco defense. They did their job when they needed to. They forced him to only field goals in this game. And that is what helped them get the win in this one. As the Niners now move to two and two with the Rams at two and two, as actually the whole NFC West is tied at two as two with with the Seahawks and Cardinals as well. So it could be an interesting division to watch as the year goes on. And a couple of games I'm just going to have a quick mention with the Minnesota Vikings ready with the New Orleans Saints over in London, 28 to 25. As the story of this game is the kick that ended the game, as Will Lutz went for the game-winning field goal and. Didn't bounce off the field goal post once. It bounced it off twice as we have another double doink. As this one looked like it may have possibly doinked in, but just barely bounced out. Uh, very upsetting thing for the Saints. I think uh, the crowd got a very exciting game in London, which is good to see. That's good to have a very close game in London. Uh, exciting ending to a game. Kind of build, you build the fan base up there a little bit more. I think to see an exciting matchup, which they did. But a great game by both these teams. And London will get another good game next week as they will be able to see the New York Giants take on the Green Bay Packers. Again, that is another 9.30 Eastern Standard Time Zone game. 6.30 for you guys over on the West Coast. So make sure you set your fantasy lineups 
up early Saturday night or get up early Sunday morning and check that. Uh, but again, great game over in London. Uh, great ending as well, the double doinks. So excited to see the, how that game went. But the Minnesota Vikings win and they move to 3-1 on the season. Saints, I believe, now go to 1-3 on the season. And also, the New York Jets were able to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 24-20. But that was the main story in this game is rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett came in the game in this one, replacing Mitch Trubisky in the third quarter. Uh, in this one, Pickett had went 10 for 13 for 120 yards. Uh, sadly, his three completions were all interceptions. But he did have two rushing touchdowns in this game, so a little bit of a positive for Pickett in this one. But again, rookie first game action of his entire career. Don't expect too much from him to start off the bat. As Trubisky in this one, not, I wouldn't say playing horrible. He went 7 for 13 for 84 yards and an interception. Uh, but again, it, they figured it was time to make a change. And we, it sounds like it is expected for Pickett to big start next week after replacing Trubisky after a coach's decision. So Tomlin decided that it was time to put Pickett in. And Will's, I'm, I'm expecting him to be the starter quarterback next week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Speaking of next week, we talk about what games to watch on week five in the NFL. Fell. Of course, I already mentioned the London game on Sunday morning. We'll have the New York Giants taking on the uh, Green Bay Packers. Also at 1 o'clock on Sunday, the Los Angeles Tar Chargers will take on the Cleveland Browns. It could be an interesting matchup in that one. Uh, also, we have the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Los Angeles Rams at 4.05 p.m. It'll be interesting to see who will be at quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys as Cooper Rush 4-0 to start off his uh, career with the Dallas Cowboys. He's also the first quarterback ever in Dallas Cowboys history to start off his career 4-0 as the starter. So we'll see if Dak, his thumb is ready to go in this one and he will replace Cooper Rush or they'll continue to go with the hot hand of Cooper Rush. Uh, either way, this will be a very interesting game in this one. The Philadelphia Eagles will also take on the Arizona Cardinals at 425 p.m. The Eagles remain the only undefeated, oh, actually now become the only undefeated team in the NFL after the Dolphins lost this week. So we'll see the Eagles are able to keep that, continue that as they go on the road to take on Murray, Kyler Murray, and the Cardinals team. And on Sunday night football, the Cincinnati Bengals will take on the Baltimore Ravens, two teams at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, the Bengals trying to get the ball rolling here as the Ravens now suffering another loss. Trying to keep it going. And this could be a very interesting battle between these two. So four good, five good games to say who watch. And week five of the NFL. As we'll go through some news also in the NFL this week. As there was some key injuries this week as well as some other things happening. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Tua, Miami Dolphins coach Michael McDaniels announced Tua will be out this week's game against the New York Jets. Uh as he announced this on Monday, he is, he is still in concussion protocol. This is according to ESPN. No surprise there after seeing what Tua went through on Thursday. I wouldn't expect to see him from probably a couple, two to maybe two, three weeks possibly. Uh, I want to be see Tua get his stuff together, get everything figured out for him, make sure he is safe to return to the field. So again, I wouldn't expect Tua to be back for at least three weeks, I feel like. Also, for the Los Angeles Chargers, they play Stephens and Joey Boza on IR after undergoing groin surgery. They're expecting him to be out for uh, about a month, this is according to Fox Sports. So, a big loss for the Chargers defense. Uh, they did look good at the beginning of the first half on uh, Sunday against the Texans. But the second half, the Texans did try to make a little bit of a comeback, but the Chargers were able to hold on and win that one. But a big loss for this defense, losing uh, Joey Boza. And a couple of big injuries for the Denver Broncos as 
running back Devante Williams will be out for the remainder of the season with a torn ACL. This is according to ESPN, which now means Melvin Gordon will probably be taking a majority of the carries now for the Broncos. So, again, a big loss losing a, losing a young talent for the Broncos in the backfield. But that's not the only guy they'll be losing here for a little bit as defense and Randy uh, Greg, um, Gregory will be placed on injured reserve and will be out at least four weeks with that after having surgery to train the meniscus on, in his right knee. That is according to NFL Network and ESPN. So another big loss to this Broncos defense and a team that seems like they haven't got things clicking as well. So losing uh, two key players now, we'll see how kind of more of an effect this will have on the Broncos team as they get ready to play on Thursday night football against the Indianapolis Colts. Also, another running back going down this week is Atlanta Falcons running back Cordell Patterson as he's going to the IR as well with miss at least four games with a knee injury. This is according to Sleeper. Uh, Tyler Elgar will be replacing him at running back, so the rookie will see what he'll be able to do in the backfield for this Atlanta Falcons team as they will be able to pick up a big win this week against the Cleveland Browns. Tennessee Titans rookie wide receiver uh, Traylon Burks has been diagnosed with turf toe, so he could miss some time with some rehab, according to sleepers. So turf toe, a very uh, lingering injury. I, it's different for everybody. It seems like it just depends how serious it is, I guess. So we'll see if Burks will miss some time or if he'll be able to play on it. That is uh, be something to keep an eye on as the week goes on. Uh, also, a couple of uh, interesting notes from this week in the NFL. As Arizona Cardinals' J.J. Watt went on to Twitter after... Uh, before playing on Sunday after having his heart shocked back into rhythm on Thursday. This is according to ESPN, which is something like a very scary thing if your heart is not in rhythm, but and then play a game a couple days later. Uh, but apparently, I'm going to guess doctor said it was okay to play. It must not have been too serious of a thing. So uh, glad to hear J.J. Watt is okay, though. Uh, sounds like a very scary thing, but again, he did play on Sunday, so I'm guessing he got it okay from the doctors. I would hope he did at least, but... Either way, good to hear J.J. Watt is okay. And also another guy we, I'm really glad to hear is okay is what, uh, Washington Commanders running back Brian Robinson has been cleared off the NFI list. It is now has 21 days to be put on the active roster. This is according to Sleeper. Uh, if you did not know, he was shot during an armed robbery attempt in August. So glad to hear that he is okay from that, that he is ready to get back into contact again here in the NFL and I will see, possibly see him back here in at least three weeks in his first NFL game action for the rookie running back. <clears throat> also, for the commander's rookie wide receiver, Jahan Dodson is dealing with a hamstring injury and will be out one to two weeks, is according to Sleeper. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, he was a pretty decent receiver for the commanders all season long, so a big loss for them as well. And also, NMS Colts running back Tyler rolled his ankle Sunday, but it looks fine, so it looks like he'll be ready for Thursday Night Football, according to ESPN. And for more NFL news this week, uh, don't forget to listen to my NFL show. We'll be talking about week five. <coughs> Excuse me. Man, I got something in my throat here. Uh, we'll have that episode out on Wednesday for you guys. This water fixes my throat now here a little bit for a second. I got something <laughs> Again, in the back of my throat here. But that is, uh, again, keep an eye on that Wednesday show. Uh, we'll talk about week five of the NFL. Uh, go over every single one of the games, kind of go to the storyline, and also my predictions on those as well. Again, those episodes are released on Wednesday, so make sure you keep an eye out for those. Now let's head over to college football, where we had uh, quite a few good ranked matchups in this one. 
I'll start with the biggest one of the week, which we had number four Clemson beating number 10 North Carolina State 30-20. Clemson moving to 5-0 and on the season. As quarterback, hopefully a name I can pronounce correctly in this one as well, DJ Ui Ungalaloa, Lole, excuse me, Ui Ungalalole, had 299 yards passing, one touchdown, also ran for 73 yards and two touchdowns. Running back Will Shipley, 60 yards rushing in this game, and tight end Jake bringing stool with four receptions, 54 yards on a touchdown, and kicker BT Porter with three for four on field goals in the game. And for North Carolina State, they now suffer their first loss this season, moving to 4-1. Quarterback Devin Leray had 245 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception, also had a rushing touchdown as well. Wide receiver Taylor, Taylor, uh, Taylor Thomas had nine receptions for 84 yards. Uh, wide receiver Devin Carter with three receptions for 54 yards. And tight end said Seaboro with one touchdown in this one as well. Uh, very competitive matchup both, both these teams in this one. Uh, it was a back and forth game, but Clemson, once they got ahead, they were able just to barely stay ahead throughout this one. They kind of took a little bit advantage in this game in the second half and late in the third quarter and were able to get a big enough lead to feel comfortable. Uh, but a good job on North Carolina State, a team I don't think a lot of people expected to be up here to begin the season, but they have looked very impressive so far this year. Uh, did not drop too far in the rankings. They only dropped the 13th after this loss. But again, a great game by both these teams. It uh, could be uh, something to watch. Two teams, of course, Clemson, a team always to watch. But we can keep an eye on this North Carolina team throughout the rest of the season and see what they will be able to do uh, here through the second half of the season as that comes up. And in the SEC, we had Old Miss beating Kentucky 22-19. Miss... Now moving to 5-0 and on the season. Quarterback Jackson Dart in this one. 213 yards passing, one interception. Running back Quayshon Jenkins, Jenkins with uh, 106 yards and a touchdown. Wide receiver Malik Heath with six receptions for 100 yards. And running back Zach Evans with a touchdown in this one as well. And for Kentucky, they suffered their first loss of the season. Quarterback Will Levi with one 18 for 24, 220 yards, two touchdowns. Also, being a very, very brave man as he dislocated his finger at one point in this game, but played on as he put his finger back in place himself. Uh, very, very incredible thing. It was, it was disgusting to see why his finger was bent sideways. But he kept playing this one and had a very good game in this. Uh, a lot of people expecting him to possibly be the number one overall pick in the draft, possi uh, if, if possibly. So, we'll see what happens with him in, uh, as the year goes on. But, uh, again, another great game for Levi. Wide receiver uh, Baron Brown with two receptions for 81 yards in this one. Running back Chris Rodriguez Jr., 72 yards rushing and a touchdown. And short, tight end Jordan Dingle and wide receiver Trayvon Robinson with a touchdown each in the game. Next, we had number 9 Oklahoma State beat number 16 Baylor in Big 12 play 36-25. Oklahoma State now moves to 4-0 on the season. Quarterback Spencer Sanders, the 181 yards passing this one. One touchdown, one interception. Also on a 75 yards rushing and a touchdown. Wide receiver Brendan uh, Presley with eight receptions for 86 yards. Running back Dominic Richardson, 73 yards and a touchdown. Wide receiver Braden Johnson with three receptions for 60 yards. Wide receiver Bryson Green with a touchdown in this one. And kick returner Jaden Nixon with a 96-yard kick return for a touchdown as well. And Baylor now moves to 3-2 on the season. As wide receiver Miley uh, Baldwin with 7 receptions, 174 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Very impressive game by Baldwin in this one. Quarterback Blake Shepin uh, 
with 345 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. And running back Richard Reese with 85 yards rushing and a touchdown on this one. Oklahoma State just seemed like the superior team in this one. Baylor was able to hang around and stay in striking distance throughout the game. But Oklahoma State was obviously the better team in this one. As a revenge for Oklahoma State, I guess you could say, for the Big 12 championship game. As now they continue to remain undefeated on the season and Baylor uh, suffering their second loss on the season. And in probably the surprising game of the week, number one Georgia was just barely able to hang on and beat Missouri 26-22. to Georgia, of course, moving to 5-0 on the season. Quarterback Stetton Bennett with 312 yards passing this game. Tight end Brock Bowers with five receptions for 66 yards in this one. Running back Kenny McIntosh, 65 yards rushing. Tight end Darnell Washington, three receptions for 64 yards. Running back Kendall Minton with 63 yards rushing and a touchdown. Running back Dejon Edwards with a touchdown in this one. And kicker Jack Podlizny with 40, went four for four on field goals in this one. And for Missouri, they now move to 2-3 on the season. Quarterback Brady Cook, 192 yards and a touchdown. Quarterback Cody Schrader with 89 yards uh, rushing. And wide receiver Dominic Levette with six receptions for 84 yards. Tight end Tyler Steffen with one touchdown. Kicker Harrison Mevis had a good portion of the points for Memphis in this one. Five for five on field goals in the game. So great job of the kicker in this one. Pretty much trying to help the team get the victory in this. Uh, but again, very surprising in SEC play to see Georgia struggling this much of a Missouri team. Uh, That's not that good. Uh, just seemed like they could not get the offense going at times. And uh, again, a offense that seems like they could move up in the down the field the majority of games. Uh, just struggled in this one. But overall, Missouri got the win. They are still undefeated on the season. That is all that matters. As now they continue to try to set up... Uh, a date at the SEC Championship game once again, where more than likely I'd be guessing they'd be seeing Alabama. Uh, speaking of that, Alabama, they did win their game this week as well as they moved to 5-0, beating number 20 Arkansas 49-26. Arkansas moved to 3-2. Well, the big thing in this one is Bryce Young suffered a sprained shoulder in the second quarter. He's announced day-to-day according to Fox Sports. So we'll see if he plays this week, coming week, in the game. But if not, I feel like Alabama's got a team or they could have a backup and they should still be able to win. They are playing a lower team in the SEC this week, I believe. I think it was... Oh, I can't fully tell them who they're playing, but they are playing a team that is not ranked in the SEC. So we'll see what Bryce Young looks like, uh, is what it looks like for him as we go on throughout the week. Uh, but again, uh, I'm not too worried about Alabama coming in uh, to next week. Also, a ranked matchup this week, we had 22 Wake Forest beating Florida State 31-21. to Wake Forest moving to 4-1 and in the season, also giving Florida State their first loss of the season as they move to 4-1 and as well. As let's take a look at the top 10 rankings of the AP polls this week, as the top six teams, actually the top two teams did switch as Alabama now becomes a new number one in the rankings. Georgia moving to number two. As 3 through 6 remain the same as Ohio State stays at number 4. Michigan, excuse me, Ohio State number 3. Michigan is number 4. Clemson goes stays at 5 as LSU goes to 6. Oklahoma State moves up to number 7. Tennessee stays where they were at at 8. Old Miss, I should say, goes to number 9. And at 10, wrapping up the third big team in the top 10, Penn State. And quite a few teams moving into the top 25 this week. As number 7, moving into the top 25, uh, into 17th, TCU. Into 18th, UCLA. 
19th Kansas, 22 Syracuse, as all four of those teams still remain undefeated on the season. I know a lot of those you hear and you're like, really? Those teams are still undefeated? As I will go over one of those teams that will be end up losing this week. As in 23rd, it will be Mississippi State. 24th, Cincinnati. And in 25th, LSU. As all the teams that were kicked out of the top 25 this week include Baylor, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Minnesota, Florida State, and Pittsburgh. As now in college football, we only have a total of 16 teams undefeated in Division One. Those teams include UCLA, Ohio State, Coastal Carolina, Oklahoma State, Penn State, Clemson, TCU, Syracuse, USC, James Madison, Tennessee, Michigan, Old Miss, Kansas, Alabama, and Georgia. As games to watch this week, uh, we have uh, four for you to keep an eye on this week. And the first one being number eight, Tennessee, taking on 25 LSU. That game will be on at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. Also, we have number 17, TCU, and number 19, Kansas Battle between Two undefeated teams, and that is where College Game Day will be this week. That game also at 12 p.m. Number 11, Utah will take on number 18, UCLA, in Pac-12 action. That game will be at 3.30 p.m. And number 14, North Carolina State will take on Florida State in a night game at 8 p.m. Now, some news around college football as two coaches were fired this week. Wisconsin fires head coach Paul Christ at... After a 2-3 start, according to ESPN, Jim Lenhard will be the team's interim coach. And uh, Chris had a pretty good career at Wisconsin. He played as a coach there from 2015 to, of course, Saturday with a record of 67-24. and He was the Big Ten Coach of the Year in 2016 and 17, also winning the Big Ten West Division Championship in 16-17 as well as... He would uh, also, oh, excuse me, also going to the Big Ten Championship, winning the Big Ten West in 2019 as well. But the key thing in this one is he had zero Big Ten cha- uh, championships, losing all those uh, Big Ten championship appearances they were in. But they have a great, very good bowl record, which they won six and one in bowl games, including a 2016 Cotton Bowl victory and 2017 Orange Bowl victory. But again, those were five years ago. You got to do something for me now. That's how the game works, and he didn't do anything. Has done anything recently. So it's cost him his job. Uh, wouldn't be surprised though if he ends up coaching somewhere maybe in the MAC or one of those lower Division One teams uh, starting next year. Possibly he could be going to Colorado as they fire their head coach Carl Durrell after an 0-5 start, according to ESPN. At Colorado, did not have a great record. Uh, he was became the head coach in 2020. I uh, had a record of eight and 15, uh, filling in for Mel Tucker after he announced he left and. He did have a winning record in the COVID year, which he went, I believe it was 4-2 and two, if I remember seeing that correctly. But the last two years, he has had a losing record, uh, which has now costed him a job. Uh, so we'll see where they will be going for a head coach uh, at the uh, beginning of next year. Now we'll head over to the NASCAR Cup Series, where they were at the fast track of Talladega Super Speedway for some restrictor plate racing in the second race of the round of 12. And in this one, NASCAR's favorite driver, Chase Elliott, picked up the win in this one at Talladega. So a big win for Chase Elliott as he locks up his spot in the round of eight. In the top five in this one, we had uh, playoff driver Ryan Blaney finishing second. Then in third place, we had Michael McDowell. Fourth place, playoff driver Ross Chastain. And in fifth place, we had Denny Hamlin. The remaining playoff drivers, they ended up uh, eighth 
is Dana Suarez. Ninth, Austin Cedric. Tenth, Chase Briscoe. Twelfth, William Byron. Seventeenth was Chase uh, Christopher Bell, excuse me. And eighteenth, Kyle Larson. And twenty seventh, Joey Logano. Uh, this is also the fifth win of the year for Chase Elliott, so adding some more playoff points as well to the next round for himself. As again, we go to look at the playoff standings for the playoffs. As one more race to go in the round of twelve. Uh, in first place right now, of course, Chase Elliott after picking up the win, he clenches his spot into the next round. Second place, Ryan Blaney, who has a 32-point gap over 8-9th place. Uh, third place, Ross Chastain, 28 points up. Fourth place, Denny Hamlin, 21 points up. Fifth place, Joey Logano, 18 points up. Sixth place, Kyle Larson, 18 points up. Daniel Suarez in seventh with 12 points. And in eighth place, Chase, Chase Briscoe, who is tied with Austin Sendrick in ninth place. Uh, but Chase Briscoe gets the advantage because he has the highest overall finish in the round so far. So those two will be battling it out here in the race this coming week. In 10th place right now is William Byron, who's 11 points out. So he's going to need some help uh, to get some of those uh, stage points possibly to get into the next round. And two drivers that are definitely going to need a win next week. In 11th place, Christopher Bell, who is 33 points out. And 12th place is Alex Bowman, who is 54 points out. And if you didn't notice, I didn't mention his name being a part of that race this week. It's because he did not race this week because of concussion he suffered at Texas. Uh, he was told the, it would be safe for him not to race this week. He listened to that doctor after a, a crash that did not seem too serious last week. Uh, just backed into the wall. It didn't look like there was anything crazy, but somehow gave him concussion, which is uh, very sad news for him that he had to miss this week. Of course, Alex Bowman being my favorite driver, so I, heartbreaking for me not to see him race. Noah Gregson did fill in for him this week uh, at Talladega, though, to get the, try to race for those owner points. Uh, but again, car safety, a very big issue that's being talked about. Alex Bowman suffering another big concussion last week. Uh, of course, we had Kurt Busch suffering a concussion a couple weeks ago. And a lot of drivers we've seen this week, we've seen Denny Hamlin and uh, Kevin Harvick Speaking of their displeasure with NASCAR over this new car, and they mentioned themselves, we need some safety improvements at the beginning of the year, but they did not listen. Uh, so hopefully NASCAR now is working on these cars, making things better. Of course, this is a brand new car this year. They have still things they're going to have to learn as the season goes on, and that's one of the things they're sadly learning, is that maybe the back headrest is not as cushioned as it should be, causing these drivers concussions from backing into the wall. So hopefully this is something NASCAR maybe can fix by the end of the year, if not by next year, to make sure these drivers are safer. Of course, there's been other issues as well, as we've seen the side of a car catch on fire of Kevin Harvick for no reason. We've seen his gauge catch on fire. Also, I think at the same time that was. But either way, the lot of safety issues so far in these cars. And hopefully that is figured out here, like I mentioned, by the end of this year or by the beginning of the 2023 season. Uh, one thing of news in NASCAR this week, as Hilly Deegan said she had an announcement to make on Tuesday. Uh, I believe that is going to be her announcing she'll be moving up to the Xfinity Series next year. I uh, don't know who she'll be racing for. Uh, I've heard that possibly it could be for Stuart Haas, but again, that is something we'll have to wait and see when she makes this announcement. Uh, but it, she's been racing the truck series the past two years, did have one race in 2020 as well. But in her total time in the truck series, she had 44 races did not finish in the top 10 once. Had three top 10s overall, including this last week at Talladega. I think she finished sixth in that one, if I remember correctly. But overall, has an average finish in the series of 21st place. Not that good of a uh, overall result uh, for a finish, uh, especially going up to a higher series now. Uh, could be interesting to see how she'll do in that. Uh, but the key thing in this one is, if you want to make money in the series, 
Uh, you got to bring in a big name driver. Haley Deegan being one of those drivers, she will bring in money to the sport. And she will bring in a lot of sponsors as well. So whoever gets her in the series is going to make a lot of money. And that is why I believe one key reason why she is moving up. And I guess, again, I get why people are angry about this. It is unfair because there are some better drivers in the Xfinity series. There's better drivers in the K&N series. Uh, better drivers in ARCA and everything like that. But again, this is a money sport. you got to bring in sponsors to be able to have a car. And Haley Deegan definitely brings in sponsors. She'll bring Moss with her more than likely. And... Uh, I'll be interested to see how she does in the Xfinity Series, if that is the announcement, of course. Uh, that's what I'm again, expecting. But if she does move up, it'll be interesting to see how she does and how she will be able to compete uh, next year as well. But again, next week, we have the final race in the round of 12 as they go a little bit of road course racing to end this round as they head to the Charlotte Motor Speedway road course, the Roval. Uh, should be very interesting to see how this one will go. Uh, but again, should be exciting races. Oh, Robo always seems like to bring in a lot of action, uh, but should be a good, ra good race to watch as we see who will be advancing to the round of eight. With, and we'll see uh, three more races in the round of eight, then we'll have our championship race at Phoenix. So only five races left in the NASCAR season. Uh, we'll see who is going to advance next week and be one of the final eight, uh, be the final eight drivers remaining in the NASCAR playoffs. And speaking of playoffs, we get ready for the MLB playoffs as those begin on Friday. Uh, majority, actually all the playoff spots are already clinched. It depends on who's going to be where when the playoffs start now. As we, in the AL, we have the top three seeds already figured out as home field advantage in the AL will go to the West champions, the first place Houston Astros. They have finished, have a record currently as of uh, October 3rd, a record of 104 and 50, actually October 4th, I should say, a record of 104 and 56. Behind them, the winners of the East, the New York Yankees at a record of 98 and 61. They are going to be the number two seed in the playoffs. Both those teams will get a bye, avoiding the wild card. The team that will be playing the wild card <coughs> is the Central Champions, the Cleveland Guardians, the youngest team in MLB, with a record of 90 and 70. They will be the number three seed. And we do know who's going to be the number four seed as well as they are five games above the third seed uh, in the wild card as that will be the Toronto Blue Jays uh, right now with a the pretty much a guarantee to lock up the four seed. Uh, right now the battle for the fifth seed is between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Mariners. The Rays right now have a one and a half game lead over the Mariners. So pretty much if the Mariners lose or the Rays win right now with two games left in the regular season... Tampa Bay will lock up that fifth seed and they will play the Blue Jays. So a battle between two teams in the East at the beginning of the playoffs. And the Mariners look like they will be playing the Cleveland Guardians, which isn't a bad thing because Guardians are probably in one of the weakest divisions in the uh, MLB. So uh, Mariners could possibly sneak away with a win in that wild card. The wild card game is, of course, only three, a best of three series as well. And speaking of the Mariners as well, this is the Seattle's first playoff period since 2001, which is the longest playoff drought in major North American sports. So over 21 years that they've been waiting to be in the playoffs. And this is all according to Yahoo Sports. So congratulations to Seattle Mariners. It's great to see them uh, back in the playoffs. It's always good to see a team finally end a horrible streak like that. Me being a Detroit Lions fan, suffering through everything I've been through, I understand the pain for that one. So good for them. Congratulations on getting that. Uh, we'll see what they'll be able to do. It looks like round one, either against 
the Blue Jays or the Guardians. Again, more likely it's going to be the Guardians. Uh, but it'll be exciting to see what they'll be able to do in the best of three in the wild card. And now we head over to the NL, where we have our number one seed in that one as well, as that is the Los Angeles Dodgers, the best record in the MLB. They will be the number one seed with a record of 110 wins and 50 losses. Uh, then we head over to the East, where we still do have a battle for the Eastern Division Championship. A Western Division Championship. Yeah, Eastern, excuse me. Eastern Division Championship. That is correct. In the NL, as the, right now the Atlanta Braves, who have been hot the last month, are now at a record 100 and 100 wins and 60 losses. So they will either be the 2 and 4 seed no matter what, as they only need a win to lock up their spot in the, as a 2 seed or a Mets loss as well, as the Mets right now trail by 2 games with a record of 98 and 61. So more than likely, the Braves will be the number two seed going to the playoffs, getting that bye with the Los Angeles Dodgers. As in the central, the St. Louis Cardinals have that spot, number three seed, locked up as they will be uh, having as they have a record of 92 and 68, and will be facing more than likely the sixth seed once that is figured out. And in the NL wild card, of course, the Mets or Braves will have that number one seed as they are uh, right now. The Mets are only 11 and a half games ahead of that third place team, so more than likely they'll be holding on to that spot. 10 and a half games ahead of the Padres, so they will more than likely be the four seed. Padres, though, only have a one game lead over the Philadelphia Phillies, as they are the number not currently the five seed, and the Phillies being the six seed. Uh, again, every team has clinched a playoff spot, there's no one chasing them, so these teams are already all in the playoffs. It depends on what seed and who they're going to play. The issue for the Phillies, they are the only team playing a playoff team to end the season as to, on Tuesday and Wednesday, October 4th and 5th, they'll be playing the Houston Astros to wrap up their season. And again, the wild card begins on October 7th. This Friday, the playoffs begin. Uh, excited to see what's going to happen here with all these games. Uh, it's always fun to watch some playoff baseball. I uh, never know what's going to happen. It's always crazy, especially these wild card games. Anything can happen. Uh, again, like I mentioned, wouldn't be surprised to see the Mariners advance to the next round of the playoffs and move on to the divisional round. Uh, again, can't wait to see what's going to happen here. But a lot of action still to go here as the regular season is about to wrap up here in MLB. And speaking of the regular season, we still have a chase for a home run record in the AL as Aaron Judge, who ended up hitting home run 61 on the season on Thursday, now tying Roger Maras Maruf. Excuse me, <laughs> Tyon Rogers Maris, uh, who set that record in 1961 for the AL League home run record. Uh, so congratulations, Aaron Judge, on tying that record. As now he is trying to break that record here with, I believe, he has three games left. I think he has one game today, one game tomorrow, and I think they have a makeup game against the Twins. I want to say it was to wrap up their season. Uh, but either way, amazing season by Aaron Judge. Uh, tying a record, and now the question is, a lot of people are asking, is he the true home run king? As, of course, we know with Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa, they were part of the steroid era, which possibly may have increased, oh, more likely did increase the power behind the bat. Uh, in my opinion, I say he's is probably considered the true home run king, as, again, uh, again, even though they did take strays, it does take the effort to hit the ball correctly to do it. Uh, so I'll give those players credit on that one. But again, they did have somewhat of an advantage. And even though I do still believe those players do to believe in the Hall of Fame, again, hard take on that one. But if they were able to hit the ball. Yes, they were given a little more strength. They come to the steroids. I get that. But again, uh, some great teams that the players that I think deserve the recognition they do deserve. Uh, but overall, if you look at 
what Aaron Judge is doing right now. He's having one of the greatest seasons in MLB history. And the fact that he's doing this, of course, without juicing, I believe is a very incredible thing to have. And I believe that this, just the season he has has just been absolutely incredible. So all the credit in the world to uh, Judge, as I, I do, as I should say, he does have three games remaining. It's a makeup game he has with the Texans. They show he's playing a doubleheader here on Tuesday, October 4th. And then he's going to play his final game on Wednesday. So three chan more chances Aaron Judge has. We'll see if he'll be able to break that record here. Uh, but again, it sounds like a lot of teams have been walking around him. So we'll see with what Judge will be able to do with these final three games in these last two days. See if he'll be able to do something in Texas and break that record. Uh, so we'll just have to sit back and wait to see what he can do. But either way, he will be his team will be the number two seed in the playoffs, and he'll have a little bit of rest before the divisional championship, the divisional series, I should say. Also, speaking of home runs, Albert Pujols now hit 703 home runs and is now second in all-time RBIs after Monday's game, as he now has 2,214 RBIs. Of course, he hit a seventh home run earlier last week. Uh, being one of, uh, one of four players to be a part of that list. And also he is, we should mention, the first person in the RBIs list, that is Hank Aaron with 2,297. He also, uh, Hank Aaron, has 900 more bats than Pools as of October 4, 2022. Uh, but Pools possibly one more year, and he could possibly be the king of the RBIs. But again, Pools now he's returning after the season. So Pools only has two more games left in the regular season to add on to the RBI total. I believe that is just uh, regular season RBIs. I don't know if that includes playoff ones. I might be wrong on that one. Uh, but overall, absolutely incredible here uh, career for Pools. Easily first battle Hall of Famer. Uh, and it's just amazing to see what he's been able to do this year. It's a player that seemed like he was just about to just wrap up his career in a nice, quiet way. Uh, has made a big impact for the Cardinals at the end of this season and is continuing to add on home runs left and right. So awesome to see Apollos doing this. Happy to see him do this. And I'm glad he gets, we get to see him in the playoffs before his career is over. Uh, speaking of amazing players as well, Los Angeles, Los Angeles Angels pitcher and outfielder Sean Otani has agreed to a one-year $30 million deal for 2023 to avoid aberration, according to ESPN. Uh, of course, an incredible year for, uh, career for Otani. Uh, 2018 Rookie of the Year, two-time All-Star, and of course, 2021 AL MVP. Uh, so far this year, he's played in 154 games as a hitter, I should mention. Uh, batting average of 275, 158 hits, 94 RBIs, 34 home runs, 89 runs, 29 doubles, 6 triples, and 11 stolen bases. He was in the running for MVP again this year, but obviously we know who's going to get MVP this year. It's going to be Aaron Judge. Uh, also pitching this year, he is 15-8, which ain't the best record for him in uh, 27 games. But a good ERA of 2.35, uh, allowed 42 runs so far this year. And also has 213 strikeouts. So congratulations to Tommy on uh, getting another contract here at the Angels. Uh, but we'll see if he'll be staying for the 2024 season after next year. Also, Chicago White Sox manager and Hall of Famer Tony La Rosa has announced that he's going to be stepping down as the manager of the Sox as he is due to health concerns. Uh, so hopefully the best for him as hopefully is nothing too concerning for him. Uh, as a Sox manager for the last... Two years, he, was, he became the manager of 2021. He has had a record of 172 on 149. Has He won the AL Central in 2021, but losing in the ALDS 
to the Astros in that one. Again, wish the best for uh, La Rosa and his health concerns. Hopefully, again, nothing too serious. Uh, but it was great to see him come back as a manager in the game. Uh, of course, a Hall of Famer, a gr one of the greatest managers of all time. Uh, again, we will see if he is going to be back in baseball anytime soon. But it sounds like his health concerns, he uh, might be out uh, of the game for good. And a uh, little thing here from the minor leagues as the, they introduced a pitching clock into the game in the minor leagues. Uh, on average, that cut the games down by about 25 minutes a season to about 2 hours and 38 minutes. That is according to ESPN. Uh, the question in now is, will this help the game? I believe it will be a help. It's always good to have a little quicker pace, I feel like. I think that's one thing that a lot of people get turned off from baseball is that it's just way too slow. It takes too much time. Uh, we had too much uh, downtime, I believe, from pitch to pitch. So... Adding a pitching clock, I think, does help. I did realize that when I went to a minor league game here in my hometown, uh, the Great Lakes Loons, uh, that pitching clock seemed to like kept the game moving a little bit. Maybe you uh, kind of keep a little ten more attention to the game a little bit. So I think it's going to work out for the game. I think I wouldn't be surprised if this is added to the major leagues next year and uh, to help that out as well to kind of quicken things up for the uh, major league baseball. Now we'll head over a little cooler news from the MMA as UFC announced they'll finalize a uh, finalize Bo uh, Nickel versus Jamie Pickett for UFC 282. Nichols earned a UFC contract on Tuesday, last Tuesday during w Dana White's Contender Series, according to ESPN. Uh, if you have not watched Dana White's Contender Series, there's a lot of great fights that actually happen to them for guys who are trying to get UFC contracts. Uh, majority of the time, I'd say I think about two or three guys get signed each show. So uh, again. A uh, guy who just got signed already announced to a big pay-per-view, UFC 282. I don't believe, I don't know, think he would be on the main card, but he probably will be on one of the undercards, maybe a main event on the undercards that are going to be uh, available to watch. I believe that's usually on ESPN or ESPN uh, Plus. Uh, but again, excited to see what he'll be able to do in, that, in his uh, first, I believe that'd be considered first technical UFC fight, as again, he'll be taking on Jamie Pickett. Now we'll move over to the NBA where we had uh, quite a few uh, contract signings uh, this week. Uh, starting off with the main one, Miami Heat and guard Tyler Hero agreed to a four-year, $130 million contract extension according to ESPN. So a uh, great contract for Tyler Hero. Uh, now being able to stay on the team for a little bit longer. So we'll see what he'll be able to do for the Heat this year. Also, Boston Celtics signed Blake Griffin to a one-year deal, fully guaranteed. That is according to ESPN. And also New Orleans Saints... A New Orleans, excuse me, Pelicans, I should say. And forward, literally, Nance Jr. agreed to a two-year, $21.6 million contract extension. Now making his contract three years, $31 million, according to ESPN. And also, in some uh, interesting news, the Phoenix Suns uh, suffered a loss to an Australian team last uh, this, this week. I think that was actually on Monday. October 3rd, they suffered a loss to the 36ers, who are a team in the Australian Basketball League. This is the first team to lose to a preseason game to a non-NBA team since Oklahoma City Thunder lost to the 2016 against the against Real Madrid, who also had a very who had a very very good player on the team, a guy by the name of Luka Doncic. So. No surprise that the Oklahoma City team lost to the Real Madrid team with him on there. But uh, the 36ers shot in this one 24 for 43 from three, which is also a surprising fact that the three-point line is 18 inches uh, uh, farther back in the NBA than it is in the Australian Basketball League. So the fact that they're shooting further away and making these shots is also very impressive. Craig Randall had 35 points this one for the 36ers, 13 for 21 field goal. 
And 9 for 17 for 3-point. Robert Franks, 32 points, 11 for 12 field goals, and 6 for 10 from 3-point line. And those of you wondering, yes, the Suns did have their stutters playing in this game. They only played 22 minutes, but they were still in the game. So that includes Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Andre Ayton. Uh, uh, they still trailed in this game, even though they were in the game. So a great job by the 36ers this one. Uh, amazing uh, play by them. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, a couple of these guys get signed by the NBA at some point here as well as Rundall and Franks made their stamp in this game. Uh, but again, very big surprise to start the season, especially for the Phoenix Suns who got beat up in their final game in the playoffs last year. So we'll see if this maybe is a uh, tale to come for the Suns as may, this might be a struggle, may possibly be a struggling year for the Suns. But again, it is a preseason. Uh, this DR player is just getting warmed up. So we'll have to wait and see how this Phoenix Suns team is going to look like once the season begins here in a couple of weeks. And now we'll uh, talk about the soccer news from this week as well as uh, very upsetting news uh, coming out of Indonesia as 127 people were killed in a riot at the game. Uh, 125 people at the game and also two police officers according to ESPN. A riot broke out after the game and police attempted to use tear gas to control the riot, which did not work out well as people started to panic and tried running toward the exits, which caused many people to be trampled and uh, causing their deaths. More than 300 people were injured from the event. And and my thoughts go out to everybody who was affected by this event. A very sad thing to happen at a sporting event. A uh, very crazy thing that uh, happens in sports around the world. Uh, and it, it, it's interesting because it's like when uh, in my college, I remember talking to a uh, 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 sports broadcaster over in Europe. And... Tim talking about what it's like there compared to what it is here in America and just talking to for those who haven't heard anything about sports around the world sports is a very 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 personal thing for people uh they people love sports in, all across the world and to the point where people will honestly fight each other to if their team loses or wins and stuff like that like if you go to certain stadiums around the world there is actually caged in areas to keep certain fans away from others because they're afraid of what could happen uh, it's, it's very, very insane. Uh, I, I didn't see anything crazy happen when I was at a game in Ecuador when I was there. But uh, you, the fans are very rowdy at these games. It's very crazy everywhere you go around these games. And, of course, one person making one wrong move starts a fight, which starts a whole crowd of people getting involved in it. Uh, it's, it's like I met when I, going back to the broadcaster I spoke to. He, he said there's two things that he didn't could never realize that people don't understand about American sports and one how when we have rivalry games we can control ourselves and we do have a very good control of that it's a shocking it's like we'll go to one of the biggest college rivalries in the uh in sports which is Ohio State Michigan you think we go to those games there'd be brawls everywhere because we actually we hate each other we absolutely hate each other uh they hate each other I should say um but just when we go to game uh, when I go to I've been to Ohio State Michigan game uh and we, we're usually just best friends with t- when we go to games. We really, I think in America, we maybe realize more it's, it's more of a game than it is a passion, I feel like. We just like to go out there and have fun. I think that's just our thing. Yes, there's those fans here that will start fights and stuff like that. It happens at games from time to time. I get that. But we are a lot more controlled than they are around the world, which, again, is very surprising with the way we can be at times in our country. But overall, we are. that's what surprises a lot of people around the world in number two. Thing that another thing that surprised him as well was the love for college sports, how we can watch people at a young age do that. Uh, again, just something that's entertaining for us as fans. We'd just love to talk about that. But 
overall, again, uh, thoughts and prayers go to everybody in Indonesia who had somebody injured or lost in that riot. Uh, hopefully this is something, maybe a wake-up call for some fans around the world seeing this, seeing what this can do to people and what can happen. Uh, but again, hopefully this uh, kind of quiets things down for a little bit for riots at soccer games and other sporting events as well around the world. And hopefully we can all be friends at the end of the day because that's what sports is about. It's supposed to bring us together, have a good time, and relax, and enjoy seeing our favorite teams playing each other and have a good time while doing it. But overall, that wraps up uh, the sports show here today for uh, me and Cold Talk. Uh, again, for the latest information on in the show, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Cold Talk. That is at C-O-L-D-T-A-L-K. You can also like me on Facebook as well. Uh, that is also at Cold Talk. Uh, you can also message me questions or topics about the show. You can also tweet with me during the events. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Also, keep an eye on my other shows throughout the week. The other day, I should have my uh, WWE Raw show up for you guys. Also, if it's not up already, I should say. Uh, also, I will have a show tomorrow. We'll talk about the NFL Week 5, go through each of the games, go over their, their performances last week, and I'll also give you my prediction for each of those games as well. Also, I'll be talking about NXT tomorrow as well, if I, when I get the chance. Thursday, we'll be talking about AEW. Friday, with the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, uh, premium live event, I should say, coming up, we'll be talking about that pay-per-view, going over each of those matches. Saturday, we'll be talking about SmackDown before that pay-per-view. Then on Sunday, I will be going over the WWE Extreme Rules uh, Premium Live event. And then next week, we'll be back here again on Tuesday with more sports talk from what's happened in the latest week in sports. So next week, we'll be talking about Week 5 in the NFL, uh, what happened to college football last week, who advanced in the NASCAR playoffs going into the round of eight, and who won the race at the Charlotte Roval. And we'll also go over the MLB playoffs, which will have began. I believe by the time the show, the Tuesday show happens, we will find out who will be going to the ALD, uh, excuse me, AL and NLDS Divisional Series. So make sure you tune in here next week. Tune in throughout the week and keep an eye on all those shows as well. But again, thank you guys for joining me here today. Uh, appreciate the views and the listens. And you guys all have a great day. <laughs>